Well, good morning and welcome to East Lake. We are glad that you're here. I'm a mess that I made already. Um, my name is Brent. This is my wife. Hi. Kylie's with me today, everybody. She's super exciting. Good morning. Uh, about uh, two months ago, we knew that Margot's transition was kind of impending and we had seriously valued an extra voice up here, but also uh, a voice from the uh, female perspective because um, I talk about sports and stuff too much. So. <laughs> Um, we were trying to think through the logistics of how do we how do we figure this thing out and how do we add uh, more opportunities for that. And obviously, um, he tricked me into. I it. tricked her into it, guys. I said, "Hey, would you just kind of come on up and and we'll we'll tag team a few extra times this next year to kind of cover some bases up, um, which is always a fun and exciting thing." And I th- and I knew we were going to do this in the part of the series, but I I, <clears throat> I think I had mentioned it previously either to our team or to, uh, maybe on uh, up front. I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to tell you what week it was going to be because I didn't want you to like definitely show up that week and not the other weeks. Because <laughs> um, I think you're, you'll you'll see why today. Like, have you ever <clears throat> here? Here I go with another sports analogy because I'm a guy. Have uh, uh, you ever watched the Seahawks and they do a thing called RPOs, which is a fancy term for run pass option? Um, and he hands the ball off, and then Russell like squirts out to the side, just goes over there. Squirts out's the wrong word. Sorry. Uh, Fierce, that's a better word. Thank you. Uh, she's so good. She's always been my filter. And he, he's wide open. And you're like, why don't you do that every time? Why don't you just hold the ball and run every time? And the answer to that question is, if he did that every time, then there would be no need for the running back. And so you're going to hear this today, and you'll be like, why don't you guys do this every time? Because then you're I would really have no dying. job. So then I would just be like <laughs> stuffing programs and like handing things out in the kids' area and, and watching them jump around. So anyways... Um, this is kind of a fun treat, and I'm super excited you're here today. So, um, we started we started the series about three weeks ago. All right, this is this is this is week three. So two weeks ago, uh, we did uh, uh, this idea of, of befriend. Not because we think you need more friends; you have plenty of friends. Um, it has nothing to do with it. But um, the idea was that I think we have. Uh, so okay, let me let me back this up even more than that. Um, Jesus was with his disciples this one time, and it was captured for us in John chapter 15. John writes this memory of his, one of the final meals that Jesus had with his disciples. And Jesus has this conversation where he, it feels like he knows that there's a transition coming. I'm about to leave. And the thing that has binded the relationships of these men together for the last three years has been my presence. Like they all came from different walks of life, right? Some of them were fishermen, tax collectors, uh, what have you, the different, uh, philosophies on, on what religion meant and value and, and money, different stratospheres in terms of economic, sta- economic status. Um, and the thing that has bound them together has been uh, a connection to we're all kind of following Jesus together. And Jesus knew this thing was, has, was temporary from the very beginning. And it's about to be reality that I'm not going to be on the scene anymore. And I don't want all of this to fall apart. In fact, this is the medium for the message that I've come to establish. I want these 12 to go and make more disciples and make more disciples and eventually be a part of what would become known as the church, the capital C church, learning and living and loving in the way of Jesus. Um, and so it's important for my absence not to mean the dissolution of this relationship. And so he has this conversation with them where he, he basically shifts the thing that is going to bind them together. He, he says, I, when I first called you, you were my disciples. That's great. Now I call you my friends because uh, the friend knows what it, it, the, the, the God, that God wants, the Father wants. The friends know what the Father wants. And I want you to begin to learn to love other people in the way that I have loved you. 
And we know that John wrote his kind of story and his version of the story um, much after the fact. Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been written about the teaching of the person of Jesus. Um, But John brings this unique perspective. And I think in it, he is replaying in his mind after all of these years to remember and sift through all of the memories of Jesus. What was it like to be around Jesus in the way that he loved people? And how does that shape what I do? Um, And so I think in this Befriend series, the, the, the point of it has been, I want to move you towards people that you would generally and typically probably try and avoid. And the reason is because Jesus did not avoid those people. There's this one time we looked at last week um, where um, John writes about how in John chapter 8, there's a woman who's been caught in adultery. She's brought before this group of men, and and Jesus and all all the disciples are there, and they're like, what do we do? She's been caught doing this thing, and and, uh, what's your recommendation on this? And in that moment, she is the shame. Like everybody there goes, I mean... It's not like she made like some mistake or like a mistake or, or I don't know, there's always two sides of the story. Even, even her in that moment, it feels like she's like, I, this is bad. I know it's bad. I'm not even in a, in, a, in a non-religious society, in a very secular society, we still are like not cool with adultery, right? Um, so in, in this hyper-religious scenario, it even stood out more than that. And so there's no, there's no question about who he was going to side with. And in that moment, he does this cool flipping of the thing. You should go back and listen to the message um, or, or read it for yourself. Uh, but in that moment, sides with her. And you can see it in her eyes. That, or I, I think you can read it in the story. It's almost as if she's looking at Jesus going, why would you ever do this? Why would you, why would you side with me? Why would you be about me? Why would you risk or leverage any sort of influence you have for my personal benefit? And I think John is replaying that. Like, I'd never seen people do that before. And I'm trying to figure out what that looks like in my life and what am I called to go to. And so we said in week one, or week two, excuse me, um, Jesus befriended the shamed and the ashamed. And he was not afraid to do that. Even though we would typically look at, I mean, we're, we live in a pretty tolerant society. We don't judge a lot of people. There are some untouchables when it comes out, right? There are some groups of people it's okay to kind of avoid because after all of what they've done and they're unrepentant or their, their apologies don't feel sincere or whatever. And so anyways, we, we, we try and avoid the shamed and perhaps, perhaps uh, following the way of Jesus requires us to rethink some of that. So that's, uh, that was last week. This week, we are looking at um, befriending the thankless uh, and the entitled. And I thought, what better week to bring somebody up who knows me at my most thankless and most entitled part of my personal existence than my wife who shares a home with me and watches uh, kids with me and raises our kids and all of that good stuff. So that's why you're here today. Ah, Thank you. Well, um, just a couple, two little things that I had to let first service know um, also just to get out of the way because it's in my mind and it will be on my mind the whole time unless I just let you know. Um, upon arrival this morning, my sweet little Jovi May, she's five, my daughter, she goes, um, mom. You have a hole in your armpit. So one of the armpits of the sweater has a hole in it, and I'll probably move my arms around, you're going to see it, but if we can just all know that we all know, (laughs) then I'll feel a lot less awkward about it. So that's number one. Number two, um, if I lift my notes, you will see there's printing on the back of it. We ran out of paper in our home this morning, and um, I... Like two weeks ago, we just haven't about it. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And I needed to print off my notes, and um, it is... Grayson's progress report from kindergarten. 
that I Which was forgettable in anyways, so it doesn't even matter. It wasn't as um, impressive as Joby's, no, so I right. definitely selected exactly. his and threw it in there. So now that we all know those things, we can just not, we just are aware of it and don't have to talk about it, and I don't have to feel awkward about it. And the third thing is, yes, we just this morning, we're learning this whole thing all together because just this morning, Brent and I were um, practicing like the opposite of this. We were just it was research, really. Really, really research. good examples of like, who needs to learn this lesson? We do. Um, so you transparency. Do. Well, we yeah, I'm like brushing my teeth at my side of the bathroom and he's on the other side. And I'm like, hey, I'd like to go on a walk today. Like yesterday was just real kind of a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I'll probably sneak off and read a book because I did this and this and this and this and this that you might not have noticed. And I'm like, yeah, but I did this and this and this and this that you didn't really notice. And so, um, and then it just like escalated to all of that to say, we, it's a good thing we're up here talking to you guys about yeah, this totally. we haven't figured out. But um, yes, November is definitely a time where uh, looking at gratitude and things that we have to be thankful for is just kind of what we do in November, it seems like, as a society. I feel like from the time that we're in kindergarten, you start doing like the thankfulness projects. Like, here's a list of things that I am grateful for, most important in my life. And um, I actually fell prey to kind of the commercialism of this this last, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, November 1st with my own kids, I made this little like poster that I was really proud of that I think he surprised me and had a picture of it in first service. I don't know that we do um, the service, but oh, there it is. Okay. So for two reasons, like I want to raise grateful kids, right? But also probably a little bit because I like it's my sneaky way of getting words of affirmation from them. I probably like want some credit. Um, so I hung it up on this door. It's like, I mean, kind of biggish. And I'm like, you guys write, write small because we have a lot of things to be thankful for and we want to fit them all on throughout the whole month. And so this is, of course, Grayson, like, I love, it's really big. And then he goes, oops, I forgot to write small. So he like scribbles it all out. And I'm just like standing behind, beside him thinking like, M-O-M, that's how you spell mom. (laughs) All of the good dinners that you eat, just let me know when you need to spell that. Or I don't know, the notes in your lunchbox or clean underwear in your drawers, like all of these things. I'm here. I'm standing by for how to spell those things and write them out. And he writes, I love fish. Out of all the things, that's like what he has to be thankful for. The next day is his friend Landon from school. Um, Dad made it on the list. Yeah. So that's good. No. Um, Dad did that with his left hand crayon. Pets is good. So, um, yeah, we're just trying to raise them to be grateful uh, because the truth is we all all know what happens when... um, they grow up to be adults who don't know how to do, don't know how to recognize what all we have to be grateful for and who all we have to be grateful for because uh, we we all know adults like that. Some of us are spending a lot of time or money to go and visit a whole big table of adults like that in our life that um, maybe don't even realize like that they like how entitled or ungrateful or whatever else um, they are in adulthood. And is there really anything that like rubs us more wrong in those ongoing uh, relationships? And and so in talking through this, Prince and I are like, oh, it's kind of like 
two separate cases. Like you have the uh, one, one interaction sort of cases like this where you're like in the grocery store line and there's this person that feels so entitled to the 15 items or less line when they clearly have 20 items in their shopping cart and you don't say anything and you just kind of grin and bear it, right? Good job, you. Good job, me. (laughs) I feel really high and mighty when I'm able to like hold it together or like you're on the highway and everybody's merged really early because you see it coming on and then you see this big old truck blaze up. They cut right in in front of you and they don't even do the little like rear view mirror like arm wave and you don't lay on the horn like crazy really, really loud um, because you're being kind, uh, even though they felt very entitled in that highway to have that spot, and they weren't even grateful. Um, So there's like that case, which by the way, I did share with First Service also a couple months ago. Actually, I was pregnant with Clive still, so a year ago, I shared that I really... I cannot stop laughing when I see someone fall down or like those funny fall down videos. And I feel like a terrible person, but it is the honest truth. As long as that person is alive and pretty okay at the end, I think it is hilarious that they (laughs) fell down, Um, myself included. And another really funny thing that I love bearing witness to is when someone else is honking for a really long, loud time at someone else. I think it is so funny. I don't know why, as long as I am not the offender or the offendee, it is hilarious to hear that really long, drawn-out honking horn sound because it's not doing any good anywhere. She's pro-road rage, you guys. It is really funny when it's not me, like, on either side. So... There is that category of um, we're going to have run-ins with those people all the time, and it's going to rub us the wrong way because they're so entitled and so ungrateful and um, walking over others to get to where they're going. Uh, But then kind of really the way that we're leaning today in our talk is the other category where you have ongoing relationships with people that that still think that they um, have things that they definitely deserve, that they're like blinded to the fact that they're walking over others to get toward, or um, they remain ungrateful no matter how much you do. Um, And so it looks a little bit different for each one of us. A couple examples I could think of is uh, maybe you're a student of a teacher or a coach who um, has a lot to say to you when you have something to learn and you're not doing it right, but then once you nail it or you have this proud moment, they don't have very much to say. Uh, as far as praise goes, maybe you are coworkers with someone that um, has no problem claiming your ideas as their own or taking credit for some hard work that you've done. Uh, it could be a friend that needs a lot from you, requires a lot from you, Um, needs your listening ear very, very often, but the moment that you are processing something or going through something or have something to say, all of a sudden they're too busy for that or can't listen or the meetings that you come together to to share with them, they all of a sudden have more to share with you. Um, Or maybe you fall into the category that I I currently find myself uh, relating to most often is the stay-at-home parent or just parent in general of young kids or adults um, who genuinely do not recognize that your entire day is devoted to just keeping them alive and happy for the most part. And the example of like kind of what I feel, this is like my 
uh, victory song, I feel like, uh, and the example that I kept thinking of and sharing with Brent throughout this week is in, um, oh, if you are under the age of 30, you can just take a little three-minute nap because you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. But the classic Nintendo game, Super Mario Brothers, um, you beat the first level. You are like, ju- you're like little, then turning big, then throwing fire things and running really fast and getting slowed down and going down all of these pipes and like working your tail off to rescue Princess Peach, who's apparently at the end in this castle. You get to the end, you're like on this bridge, you're listening to um, and you're like driving yourself mad to rescue this princess. And then you finally beat Bowser, you run across the bridge, and there's Toad standing there saying, thank you, Mario, but our princess is in another castle. And you're like, what on earth did I just... And the first time you're like, oh, dude, no problem. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Miscommunication, no big deal. All right, I get it, my fault. Yeah, my fault. Wires got crossed. But guess what happens at the end of level two? Yeah, same thing. And the end of level three. Yeah, same thing. And four. Yeah. And five. And Toad, you're like, what's what's the matter with you, Toad? And seven. And then you get to level eight. And you rest that princess, and Gary reminded me of this, you get a piece of cake <laughs> at the end. You get a little piece of cake, and it reminds me kind of of my life right now, because in all honesty, <laughs> you feel like you're just working your tail off all day long, like keeping all of these plates spinning, and then at the end, you have a little kiddo there going, is this actually what you're feeding me for dinner, Mom? How about... <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah. When the kids go, what's for dinner? And they have literally a plate like in front of them. right in front of them that You're I like, just made. That thing that mom just spent time making you. And oh, like, I oh, thought this? we were having nuggets. Oh. Yeah, I don't want Bummer. this. Yeah, so uh, I know that we all like have an area or an individual that's probably standing out in your mind right now. Where you're like, it is so hard to be kind to this person. And in those moments, it is so like you are the last person I want to be nice to because I know that you feel like you deserve it. You're not even seeing it as kindness. Um, you feel uh, completely ungrateful or maybe it's just a blind spot for you. And so there's this tension of like, we talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, not wanting to be in that transactional relationship where I'm going to do for you so that you will do for me. Like, I feel like we, we know that that's not the sort of way that we want to look at relationships. Um, but we also don't want to just be walked on. Like we want at least a little bit of recognition or a little bit of reciprocation after a long amount of time of just like giving, giving, giving or being kind and being kind and being kind or being quiet and quiet and quiet. And so from this passage that we feel like Jesus kind of took a look at this uh, when talking to his disciples as well as many others. Um, but Yeah, again, and, and it feels like if it's a one-time thing, like I, the message today isn't, all right, guys, this week, let somebody merge and be really nice. Like, if you need that from me and that's what you get out of this, then okay, fine, whatever. But you should invest in more wall calendars or pithy quotes or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what I'm talking about is all of the people who just never, if in your mind and in your perspective, matured beyond that, like, it's okay that my kids are, are not really thankful at this point and, and all about themselves and entitled. They're kids, right? But then the, the, this is your family. These are the people that you're driving hours and hours and spending hundreds of dollars um, in gas and all of the other things to go spend time with. And then you sit on the table and you're like, you're, I, I'm so frustrated with you. This is so, this, you're making this so miserable. So uh, there's, there's the assumption of relationship 
there's a repetitive, not a one-time thing, but like this pattern that I'm, I'm constantly having to um, give, 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 and I don't want it to be reciprocal. I don't want it to feel transactional. I, that feels cheap, and that doesn't feel like relationship, but I shouldn't have to ask for it. I want it, but I don't want to ask for it, and ugh, it's like that weird, that's the ugliness that we're talking about. That, to, that What do you do with that? It's, it, it is really complex. Um, so there's a, a passage in, in Luke chapter 6 that I want to look at today with you. Um, it comes from a section that's called like, part, part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, found in two different areas. Matthew wrote about it in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, and then Luke wrote about it. A lot of the material is really, really similar. Um, and I, I've preached on Sermon on the Mount before. I don't know, I don't think that it was a one-time event that Jesus said, all right, everybody, on Friday at 4, we're doing the Sermon on the Mount. Make sure you bring your notepads and write things down verbatim as I say them. I think for both of these guys, it was like every time that Jesus spoke, it it contained many of these sort of angles and quotes and thoughts and, and ethics and whatever else. Um, so this would be kind of characteristic of the things that he taught. He had lots of different things. He would go and, 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 uh, and do ministry, like do healings and he would do parables. And then this was kind of like his preaching thing that they would connect with. And so what's significant about that is this type, this type of teaching probably showed up so many times that when Matthew and Luke thought about it and they go, what were the things that we remember Jesus? Because they would write about this after the fact. Again, what were the things that we remember Jesus talking about most? This was one of the things that jumped out to them. So let's jump in. Uh, chapter 6, verse 32 through 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you ex- from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expect to be repaid in full. In other words, what I'm asking you to do is not going to be something that's natural. It's going to be something that goes against the grain of what you feel like, is this fair? Is this just? Is this, but what if I'm taken advantage of? And he's going, you, it, you will, it will happen. Like, I'm not asking you to do something that's easy. What I'm asking you to do is something that goes against everything that you feel like is fair and just and right. And I'm asking you to take kind of a different narrow path uh, that is going to not feel comfortable and it's going to stretch you and it's going to cost you. And then he goes, and, and by the way, this even this flow of what he did, right? He starts with this general, if you love people who are, are, not, uh, who are like you and are easily lovable, is that really any sort of feat? That has like this feelings of theory. And then he gets a little bit more practical about if you do good things for people who are likely to do good things back for you. So it's like a step towards more practical. And then it gets really practical. Hey, if you lend money to somebody and then you know that they're going to pay you back. But you all have friends who so you're like, he's going to pay me back. I'm, I'm fine with it. That's a lot easier than the friend who you know is going to forget that they made that bet with you or forget that you bought lunch and they're like, you'll get it next time. In the back of your mind, you're going, they're not going to buy it next time. I'm going to buy it next time. Because they forget their wallet. I used to work with a guy who forgot his wallet every time we go out to lunch. <laughs> he's like, I forgot my wallet. I'm like, oh yeah, let me guess. You forgot your wallet again. All right, we'll figure this out, Roland. Um, anyways, <laughs> Uh, that's how it works. And, and it's like, the, that's the type of people, if you do it and you, and you know, it's going to be returned, that's not really any, any significant feat. I'm asking you to do something the way that I'm calling you, the way that I am asking you to love people the way that I have loved you is not convenient. And it doesn't make sense. It's outside what's practical and what's normal and what's, and, and it's going to be difficult. That's the piece. And then he goes on, he summarizes it in verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. He, here's, here's the one, two, three, then all three of them right at once. And then what he's going to do is work himself backwards. He started with um, theory down to super practical, and now he's going to go again from uh, like a uh, 
very, very practical towards back out towards theory. Watch what he does. Uh, then your reward will be great. If you do, verse 35, if you do this summary of things, then your reward will be great. That has like sort of a monetary connotation, right? When we think of reward, we think of wealth and stuff. And he's just talked about repayment for, for things that you don't expect repayment for. So your reward will be great. You'll be ch- uh, children of the most high because he is kind to the grateful, ungrateful and the wicked. In other words, your identity will be wrapped up in doing good for those who can't who probably won't do good things for you. You've chosen to, you've elected to uh, go out and be kind, to choose kindness towards people who probably won't be kind to you in return. And then lastly, be merciful just as your father is merciful. This is what he's, he's going through. Like, I'm asking you to do something difficult. Now, what I think is also interesting about this is a few chapters later, um, this, this is theory again. This is like Jesus teaching ethics. And later on, what we would see if we continued reading, if you got the book of, you know, the Luke and started reading through it, a few chapters later, what you would see is Jesus actually doing something about this, like showing this again. Here's the teaching. Here is what it looks like in practice. Um, In Luke chapter uh, 17, he's approached with like uh, what's called, there's 10 lepers. Lepers in that society, there was a a disease called leprosy, and they didn't really know much about it. They They thought it was contracted by um, touch. And so, and since there's a bunch of unknowns and we think it's contracted this way, we, when you get leprosy, you wanted to keep it a secret as long as you can, because once they found out about it, you were ostracized from society. You would have your own little place that you would have to go visit. It's like exile Island. You're gone. Once, if you get healed, uh, then you'll be, and, and you can, and we can verify that it's no longer an affliction for you. Then you will be welcomed back into society. But until then you're off in your own thing. You can hang out with your leper brothers and, and be in that world. And that was a, a very, like you lost, imagine being sick to the point where you didn't have family and friends taking care of you. Um, it, was, it was nobody. You had nobody. I lost all my social connections because of these things that are showing up on my skin. So um, terrible, terrible disease. Um, and uh, so then there's, there's 10 of them who are, are out there. And it says that it's really short passage, by the way. It's amazing because I remember this as a kid growing up in like Sunday school, like my, our teacher's talking about this and, uh, and, and me thinking it was like half a chapter. It's like three or four verses. Jesus, it says, he heals the 10 lepers and doesn't go into detail of how that worked. Like if he like lined them all up and just went like one, two, three, four, five, you know, like down the row or whatever, like a, like a Benny Hinn, like a traveling evangelist type thing. Or if it was like, a, I don't know, it doesn't matter. All it says is that the 10 were healed and they went away uh, and they were supposed to present themselves to the priest because that's what you do to get the, the, the healing validated so that you could re-enter into society. Uh, and then after they were presented to the priest and, and healed, one of them came back. That, that's the big, that's the, uh, the long-term part of the story, or the story that was always taught to me was 10 went, one came back, one was super thankful and grateful. And it was noted in the little footnotes, um, he was a Samaritan, which had been code for the probably the most unlikely to come back. The person who was most unlikely to come back actually came back and said, uh, thank you to Jesus. And Jesus asked this question, what happened to the other nine? Or did, did the... Uh, uh, Weren't there, weren't there nine others of you? And he's asking this one individual Samaritan who just got healed from leprosy, weren't there nine others of you, right? And this other Samaritan, what's he supposed to be like? I, I don't know, man. I don't really know them. We were like put together, but we're not friends. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and the point of this story is I think he's got these disciples around him who are watching him heal people, do these things, 
And probably, because I'm, I'm thinking if I'm a disciple, I know that he's got like this insight. He keeps talking about what I'm thinking about, or he'll, he'll say things and be like, this is on your mind or whatever. He's like reading their minds. He probably knows some pieces of the future. Something's going on. He probably knew when I heal these, nine of them are not going to do anything in response. Like I'm going to heal them and they're going to be thankless and they're not going to come back to me because they're just so excited to get back in, in their family. And he did it anyways. Cause that's the, so that's the difference between him and me. Like I'm shallow, man. If I know that you're, if I was Jesus and I knew I'm going to do this fantastic thing for, not, for 10 of these people, all 10 of them, and nine of them are not going to come back, then what I would do is make the one who came back, then that healing kind of sticks. And congratulations, you get everything you hope for, right? The nine, they go present themselves to the priest, and then they wake up a week later, and they're like, crap, it's back. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's the fair, just, unkind, yes, but like teaching them a lesson. Like, hey, <laughs> your lesson is next time, don't be an idiot. Come back. You know what I mean? Be thankful. And, and so, again, that's what's playing through these disciples' minds as they think about it. As they're trying to process what does it mean if Jesus said, I want you to love people the way that I love, loved you? What did it look like for me? What did I observe in the way that he loved? And he, by the way, he moved towards people that we would probably be tempted to avoid because they've never grown out of, they've never matured beyond this thankless, entitled mentality. Listen, we don't have to be friends. I can like you and I can... you. Do you do you, I'll do me, that's fine, we keep, we're, but we're very separate. We like to avoid them because we're afraid they're going to take advantage of us, and we just don't like their character as a, as a person, and so this is part, partial judgment in that way. And Jesus, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, I, he definitely, he had a voice of justice, and he pointed towards the awkwardness of, of them not coming back and doing that, but you don't read, and then the next week... <laughs> They were, again, leprous, and it was twice as bad as the first time. And Jesus went and lectured them yeah. on gratitude. Yeah, shaking his <laughs> finger at them. So, anyways. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I love that story because that is the truth. I mean, several of them, probably just in the excitement, got carried away and ran off. And, um, and I feel like, again, it's worth mentioning that it's not even that a lot of times people are choosing to be ungrateful or um, entitled. They just Lack simply don't notice. Right. Yeah, and it still rubs us wrong, nonetheless. Um, Which could be blind spots even for us, too, as we oh, go through. Oh, I know go, that I probably, I? to a lot of you, have been like, oh, cool. They, you know, we have friends in here that like really worked hard to move a couch for us this weekend, and they're like, oh, we were over there anyways, which is not the truth. That's a big, <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, but it's... Yeah, it can be, we all fall into that category of someone being recognized as entitled and ungrateful as well. So we can plug into all of the places in that story, I feel like, other than Jesus' role. Um, but moving on to kind of some practical steps for like what that might look like in our own lives, kind of a example of this. So we love musicals a lot, a lot, a lot. Like not the sophisticated like Broadway show musicals that we should like, some of those we do. We can discard most of them as the like cheap utter movie nonsense. Adaptions. Those yes, are the ones we those like. are the ones that we love. We love Australia. We love. <laughs> Why Milan say it Rouge. when you can sing we it? Love... That's our right. philosophy. You know what I mean? Less talking, more singing. Yeah. Um, 
So Greatest Showman, like all of the ones that you can think of that you're like tired of the soundtracks of, we love them and we thrive on them. Our favorite though, both, I mean, we love the Broadway version of this. We love the book. We love uh, the movie. Our favorite for sure is Les Miserables. We love the story of Les Mis. Um, and one of the greatest scenes, and if you've seen this or read this, it is likely yours too, because it is so moving. But um, there's a scene where, so Valjean um, was arrested when he was young for stealing a loaf of bread because he was actually starving. And in the 15 or 20 years or however long it is that he was in captivity, he um, like just becomes bitter at the world. Like it is hard on him. And so he is just angry back and um, bitter. And so when he's released and on parole, he has to go around and show his papers. And so he can't find a place to stay. And he happens upon this church and the church staff and the priest um, bring him in and he is treated as equal. They are so kind. They trust him. There's nothing hidden from him or withheld from him. They feed him well. Um, offer him a room to stay with all of these nice things. And um, in the night, he steals the silver and makes a run for it and is arrested in the streets. They bring him back for the, to the priest. Um, and this is life or death from him. Like all of, the pre- all of the staff just needs to say, yes, he stole that from us. And this is basically the end of the life for Valjean. And um, in that moment, the priest comes out holding candlesticks. You guys, I did this in first service too. I thought I was going to hold it together, but it's so good. (laughs) The priest comes out with the candlesticks and says, you forgot these. Uh, Yes, I gave those to you, but you forgot these. Remember, I gave these to you too. Um, And just that moment of kindness that makes no sense at all, um, is just such a movie, like in the story, even that is a pivotal point for Valjean. He makes eye contact with that man who is showing him kindness and his life is changed from that moment. 180 degrees, like Valjean goes on to do such great things and give such grace to others because that was extended to him and um, shows kindness in ways that don't make sense. Uh, Living a life of example set by uh, that man. And, um, so as much as I'd like to say that that's like the opportunity that we're going to have in our own lives, chances are we're probably not going to have like that grand of a moment. I hope that you do. I hope that we get the chance to like stand in the face of, um, I mean, Brent, we'll talk a little bit more about like having the option of kindness or justice and get to the completely just thing would be for him to say, yes, he stole those things from me. But instead he pivots toward kindness and says, here, take these two which is exactly what Jesus is talking about in those verses that Brent just read. But um, uh, for us, more often than not, it's probably going to look a little bit like smaller scale than that. Um, It's going to be choosing to uh, remain silent when someone is claiming something, like an idea. Again, those coworkers that claim your ideas as their own, staying silent and letting them have it. Um, When someone is claiming actually like a physical item that is yours, just letting them have it. Uh, Just smiling in response to a rude comment or quip from someone, whether a family member or someone just you're doing life with. Um, Sometimes it's putting a plate in the dishwasher without saying anything. 
even though you like left the dishwasher propped open a little bit because you just were waiting for one more dish to be finished off and like the sinks over here and putting the plate in the dishwasher for someone else might have just looked it. like this. But instead, it. they like walked around the open dishwasher and put it in the sink. We should get um, next thing. It's just put it in, in the dishwasher. Kind of for it. a little bit. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, anyway, so they, a lot of times we will be given opportunities where um, we can stare at this and use um, choose kindness or choose justice. And don't please don't let us convince you to like stay in a toxic relationship. We know that there are relationships that are completely toxic and, um, and it would be unwise for you to just keep p- turning away from justice and, and just choosing kindness. Um, and justice in those moments could be the best form of kindness. Right. Like, I'm, I can't allow you Absolutely. to destroy yourself and us or the kids or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I just feel like that is, Something that we have, we have opportunities daily to be able to do that in healthy ways. And so that's what I'm hoping to learn um, as I continue to keep this hopefully at the forefront of my mind. And- my favorite thing to do is ask the question at the end of like a story, a picture story where Jesus heals these lepers, right? Is to ask the question, where do you see yourself in the story? Like which, which character are you, right? And uh, I always, I'm quick to respond with, no, just before you go into this, just remember, you're not Jesus. <laughs> you like to think of yourself as, well, I think I'd like to be Jesus. Give the hero. Who does the nice things, even though they're not <laughs> grateful. And that's not you, though. You don't do that. So here's right, what... I was, sorry, in first service, I was talking about how, like, dying on the cross, I mean, he, like, is so kind for three years, like, pouring out into these disciples and um, literally, like, minutes or a couple hours, maybe, after dying, um, Peter, who walked beside him through all of this and received like all of the wisdom and help, um, it's like I don't, I didn't, I didn't know him. I don't know this guy at all. Like denying him, and Jesus like is cool with it. Whereas, had I been given Jesus' job, which is a very humorous sentence in and of itself, because yeah, right. But I would have like right then when I heard Peter say I didn't even know him, I would have risen from the dead and given Peter the look right then and there, like, excuse me, did you actually just say you don't know me after all I just did? So, um, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I'd like to plug myself in the place of Jesus sometimes. And then I look at stories like that. And I'm like, oh no. Dangerous, <laughs> dangerous thing to do. Yeah. You're not Jesus. Not so me. I am the Peter. There's a couple characters in there and you're just not that one. So which one are you, right? Are you the Samaritan who comes back and is like, hey, I, I, I'm... Thank you. I, I, I hope so. I want to be that. Um, I know that probably far more often than not, I'm probably one of the nine who was just so excited to get relief from my burden that I've been bearing. And now I can move forward in life and I've got, I've, I've got myself back on the right foot and I can do this a second time. And it's me and it's like this adventure. I'm the hero of my own story. And I often forget, um, <laughs> I often forget that I, I'm acting entitled and, and, and in really thankless ways. And so I don't want to do that. Um, and so I am going, and, and if that is, if I see myself in the story, is that what would I want done for somebody like me, right? And then that's how I go and, and go love that out and live that out in, in so many different ways. So that's just a better way of looking at it in that way. So yeah, you, and you mentioned justice and kindness too, right? You're going to be on this spectrum of on one side, you've got fairness and equality and what's right. And this is the right thing that you should be doing, right? It's not fair that they're taking advantage of you. 
Oh, that's over here. And then kindness is kind of looking the other way. And, and there's, I don't know, that it's, it's, it's not an either or. There's a mixture. There's kindness mixed in with justice. There's justice mixed in with kindness. All of that. But there, am I going to choose one or, or the other? Or which way am I going to lean? Which way am I going to naturally react? Am I going to react towards justice? Why? Because I think it's not fair that, uh, that I would lend and you wouldn't repay. I don't think it's fair that you'd be thankless and entitled. It's not fair. It's not fair. And on one side of things, you're right. You're right. But is, it an, is that enough? Is that good enough? Do you just live with the fact that you're right? What about when you're not right? What about when you do that, right? That's where he's like, okay, this is, this is different. This is what it's going to mean to follow in the way uh, of, and, and to live life and to love in the way of Jesus. That's really a whole different endeavor. And as we discovered earlier, it's not the easy route. It's going to go against the grain of everything that's comfortable. And that's why his teaching was so revolutionary. That's why they crucified him and they didn't make statues of him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're like, ah, we don't think this is going to work. And he's like, all right, well, whatever. I'll... Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, I came across uh, a quote that I want to leave you with. Um, it was from a guy named James Smith. Um, he's a teacher. He writes a bunch of books. He's written some of my favorite books. He's a professor at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He wrote this this last Easter on Twitter. The scandalous fallout from the way of Jesus is this, that God forgives all kinds of people you wouldn't. God forgives all kinds of people that you wouldn't. When we think about thankless and entitled people, we often don't give them the grace of uh, forgiveness. We don't think in terms of, well, that's just a blind spot. We point out the flaws And God forgives all the kinds of people that we wouldn't. May this week, may we be, but not just this week, but especially this week with family and friends and the heightened all the awareness of entitlement and whatever, because there's other people involved. But may we live a lifestyle. We walk in um, the the way of Jesus that invites us to befriend those who are thankless and entitled and challenge our challenge our long held belief system. That's not right. That's not right. And I deserve better. You want to pray for us? Yeah. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you that we have the privilege and um, opportunity to come together and read your word and learn more about um, you and and your son and um, the way that Jesus came and turned everything upside down for us and that it's still applicable for us today, that we can still just try like crazy to put into practice the things that he showed us. And a lot of times we feel, but God, I pray that you would help some of this to stick with us today. I pray that you would um, be with us this week uh, as we, a lot of us, join up with people that we have not seen in a while. God, I pray that you would be in those conversations. Um, And we pray that you would just keep at the forefront of our minds everything that we have to be thankful for and those we have to be grateful for this week. Uh, In your name, amen. Amen.